Welcome back to America Can We Talk? Top of the second hour, cruise to the news. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. These are stories I would talk with you about longer if I only had more time. I made mention in the first hour of this story, and I'm just going to touch on it here. We'll be talking about it further uh, later. But in an Arizona private school, fifth graders, the parents were shocked and discovered to learn that there was adult, transgender, and gay curriculum taught to fifth graders way passing the line of informing its advocacy, its planting the seed, its urging young people, well, maybe you're really not what you think you are. You're, maybe you're transgender, maybe you're gay. Parents not happy. And it is really, a, um, among other things, besides it's just astonishingly inappropriate for the school, but it's also symbolic of how comfortably strident the LGBTQ activism is in this country. The idea that they are going to be perfectly comfortable pushing a school to embrace this agenda, to teach this agenda, and the school is more comfortable saluting to the LGBTQ activists than to say, actually, no, we're not going to go there. We don't do that in this school. Parents are upset to be continuing what happens there. Next, there was a great story, and I think probably many of you saw it, but I just want to quickly share it. And I meant to mention, every story we talk about on this show, you can go to my website, americacanwetalk.org. We put the links up. You can find uh, the date of today's show. You can find the links, and it takes you right to the story. I urge you to read them yourselves. And if, if you in, enjoy these stories, you know, pass them along to your friends. Send a link to a friend because some things we talk about in the show, I think people think, oh, that couldn't really be happening. or But it is. And so they're great things to share. In fact, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, share these segments. You can share these segments to, with anyone, and I appreciate you doing that very, very much. Okay, second story uh, was a little girl. And I I actually could not, before I got here, take the time to find out what state she was in. I think maybe Texas, but it wasn't, I don't know. Anyway, a young girl diagnosed with a brain tumor, inoperable, cancerous brain tumor. This past summer, we're here at the Christmas season, and uh, talk about a Christmas miracle, they have, this brain tumor is gone. And, and, you know, obviously through prayer, through prayer, the parents... uh, one, let people know that the this child's diagnosis was confirmed by Dell Children's Hospital, Texas Children's, Dana-Farber, which I don't know, that's some other hospital, Johns Hopkins and MD Anderson all agreed it was a inoperable cancerous brain tumor gone through prayer. Talk about Christmas miracle. Okay, a not Christmas miracle and most unhappy and unfortunate story, but I simply want to share it to say, again, the very aptly named Jeff Flake finally getting out in the United States Senate, parting shot at his Republican Party, at conservatives, at the conservative agenda, at the Trump agenda, at everything good about America. Jeff Flake simply cannot help himself, but he has turned into, he makes John McCain at this point look like a reliable Republican instead of the maverick that he was. Jeff Flake has announced he will introduce a bill to raise taxes before leaving the Senate. He's co-introducing carbon tax legislation in his final two weeks in office, obviously teaming up with Democrats to push the climate change agenda. And the carbon tax thing, let me just remind you, even when President Obama, radical left-wing president, even when he was president, and he wanted very much to have Congress pass a carbon tax. This is a tax designed ultimately to destroy um, the use of carbon fuels, to destroy a reliance on oil, to, and just all built in this climate change 
um, fantasy, which we've talked about many times in the past. Yes, climate changes. Yes, we have uh, some minimal contribution by the uh, fossil burning of fossil fuels to the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere. And, and as you've had many experts on this show talk about time and time again, even if you want to embrace the most radical Al Gore-based advocacy uh, positions for what to do uh, and to reduce CO2, you'd reduce it by virtually nothing. And the impact on the environment would be even more nothing. It would be, it would not even change temperatures. But this is Jeff Flake happily joining on to the left wing. Can't leave that Senate fast enough. Okay, third cruise of the news story. President Trump uh, has is trying to work on this asylum issue which is essentially the caravan we've been talking about coming up through the southern border, uh, through Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, uh, and and El Salvador, coming up into, uh, trying to cross into America. The asylum uh, standards in in America are clearly set. We have a federal law that says what the asylum standards are. President Trump is trying to help clear up this mess at the border by clarifying and expanding uh, and, and just trying to make more forceful the uh, application of the asylum standards. So this formerly reliable federal court judge, Judge Emmett Sullivan, used to be sane until three days ago. But now, I mean, what he has done in the past three days, this is a great judge previously, a judge who had uh, been great on cracking down on prosecutorial abuse in the Enron case and uh, and demanding that prosecutors actually follow the law and stop just, um, you know, uh, engaging in the perjury trap kind of conduct. But this judge now has turned, uh, who knows why, but he ordered that Trump not only uh, rescind his his recent asylum um, order, uh, but he actually ordered that Trump bring back the people who got sent home under the revised order, bring them back to be reviewed. Uh, one last thing Trump is doing, he has a safety panel uh, and with respect to public schools, and he is revo- revoking Obama-era school discipline rules, which essentially said, you know, some kids you never discipline, and that was not going to fly. Trump is having those reversed. Final one, Forever 21, got backlash for using a white model to sell a Black Panther sweatshirt. Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk. If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. Patriot Paws Service Dogs is a national nonprofit whose only mission is to train and provide service dogs of the highest quality at no cost to disabled veterans with mobile disabilities. Patriot Paws has unique partnerships with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice and with Texas A&M University to help train their dogs. Not only are the dogs saving veterans' lives, they're changing lives from prison cells to college dorms. It takes two years and costs $34,000 to train one Patriot Paws service dog for a disabled veteran. Would you consider helping a disabled veteran get a service dog? Visit PatriotPaws.org. Patriot Paws has over 80 veterans waiting for a service dog and receives hundreds of calls each month from other veterans asking for help. Visit PatriotPaws.org and find out how you can help. Follow Patriot Paws on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and consider a donation at PatriotPaws.org. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. 
With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with five talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high, to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. If you're watching on Facebook Live and you've been watching last week's me fussing with these earphones, so I got these fancy earbuds. And I did, the first night I had them here, I mean, they're much better. The other ones kind of gave out. So the first night I had these here, I, I'm like, why is this so uncomfortable? And I realized they actually have an L and an R. And it actually matters. So if you don't put the right one in, you're just like, why won't this stay in place? Okay, that's why. All right, now I'm using them correctly, okay? So... Welcome again uh, to our Eve of the Eve show. I have Lathan Watson in the studio. We've been talking about the, the state of Christianity on the planet Earth at Christmas season 2018. Talked about some things happening in America. I'm going to turn to the international scene. And, you know, I have to tell you, I want to give just the, the most um, greatest praise and credit to people who dedicate their lives to revealing the kind of things happening in the world. Because you know what? In America, we're busy. We're prosperous. We pretty much have our freedom intact. And the world out there, outside of America, can seem like, well, you know, we, we have America. Other countries have their problems. I don't understand them. Unless these organizations I'm about to mention bring the stories to you, paint the picture for you in ways that you can't just 
dismiss, you just, we end up not really doing our job as Christians in this country, loving our fellow man, not just the ones inside the geographic borders of the United States of America. The two groups I want to mention, one is called Save the Persecuted Christians. Their website is savethepersecutedchristians.org. And the other one is called Open Doors. And I had... um I guess I didn't end up getting her on, but I tried to have on a woman from Open Doors. Their website is opendoorsusa.org. These two groups are trying to raise the alarm bell about the astonishing um, brutality and not not intolerance. This isn't like, you know, you, you, uh, you can't own your baker anymore. This is like we're going to take your life away and your freedom and your kids while we're at it. The kind of conduct engaged in by governments around this world in persecuting Christians this in this time, in 2018. This isn't like in the, you know, uh, you know whatever, a thousand years ago. It's now. And so these two groups do. I want to mention Save the Persecuted Christians has this incredibly, uh, what do they call it, a mobile, um, they have a word, term for it, a mobile uh, exhibit. It's a Save Us exhibit. I happened to have uh, someone from this organization at our home a couple weeks ago, and he was showing me on his computer this exhibit, this Save Us exhibit. It is pictures. It's this really large exhibit. You can order from them. They, you can display it in your church, in your home, in, your, in whatever you, where you want to display it. But it's real pictures, somebody's face looking at you, telling you, What's happening in their country? So this Save Us exhibit is available from savethepersecutedchristians.org. The pictures are, I mean, you know, mind-blowingly tender. They make you realize uh, this portable display is 24 retractable pop-up banners. Uh, This is one way they're trying to bring the story home in America and, and I mean, I just can't praise them enough and go to their website. You can see this banner. You can contribute to it. The other thing they're trying to do is get individuals to, to purchase a, a, um, a single banner like you might see, like, hey, Greek festival today or something like that, that says, it's just called, just says, savethepersecutedchristians.org. The idea behind it is if people see this driving around their towns or cities, see it in front of a church, see it in a bunch of places, they might think, what is that? And they might go home and look it up. This is how you spread awareness. So this is one just fabulous organization. So grateful for them. Um, I don't know if you've seen the banner. Have you seen this banner at all yet? I have. Mm-hmm. Isn't it just kind of, I mean, it kind of could make you cry. You don't cry on radio. They told me that, so I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> it could make you cry that what these people go through. And you're thinking, you know, what in the world can America do? So that's one group. Second group is Open Doors USA. They are attempting to support Christians around the world living in countries where Christianity is repressed, where it is not just repressed, where your life is in danger for even practicing Christianity. And they have stories out, of course, at this holiday season. They have one, and I don't know, I, I sent... Poor Lathan sitting here at like at 11 at night. I sent him like a lengthy list of links. I don't know if you got to even look at these stories, but... I mean, it was a long night, but yeah, I read them. Yeah. Uh oh, <laughs> that's why you look so sleepy. Yeah. yeah. No. Anyway, but I'm serious. These are just astonishing stories. For example, in China, in China, I don't even know this one. I think I didn't even send to you, but in China, they had a police officer gave an interview to some magazine that is a advocacy for Christianity magazine that said the Chinese police officers are paid; they are incentivized for how many Christians they arrest. I, 
Speechless. Yeah. Exactly. In 2018. In 2018. Yeah, this is not, as you said, we're not talking about a thousand years ago. So. Yeah. So these these two organizations, I want to, I mean, and they to be really clear, online, on Facebook, on wherever you're listening, on radio, nobody's paying me to say this. Save the persecutions. Save the persecuted Christians.org is not paying me. Either opendoorsusa.org. But these groups are trying to raise the stories of what's happening around this world today. So police, and I'll tell you the thing in China, and then you can may have a comment or two, but I don't know. They get a bounty for the arrest of Christians. Major port city of Dalian, population of 6.6 million. A police officer spoke to the Religious Liberty magazine called Bitter Winter and said essentially the magazine, they've been given notice from the National Security Bureau, the government of China, that they are part of their performance assessment plan is how many Christians they can arrest. And this is, I mean, this is why we do what we do at First Liberty here in America. If you lose religious liberty in America, there is nowhere left to go. And that, that's what these stories you know, illustrate perfectly, that if we lose it here, there is literally nowhere else to go in, in the world. And yeah. so it's very rare that a totalitarian regime anywhere, anytime during the history of the world, totalitarian regimes always try to crush religious liberty because they cannot abide their, their citizens with an, with an allegiance to an authority higher than their government. That's exactly what I want to hit on is, is this, what is the mindset in China? Why do they care? As long as you, you know, don't run, don't try to overthrow the Chinese government, as long as you don't become, you know, a, 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 engage in a coup, why do they care? Because I, I love what you said, and I want to expand that. What is the reason they would care so much if somebody embraced Christianity? Yeah, when, if you're, I mean, and it's, you know, I'm a, a history nerd, a history major in college. You, you read uh, the the history of either Western civilization, world history, whatever. Any time a totalitarian regime comes to power, one of the first flashpoints is always religious liberty. And as I said, they if you're going to control every aspect of of the lives of the people you must be the be-all and end-all authority in that in that country or in that territory and to have a group of people who whose allegiance is to something higher than you that's a threat to a to a totalitarian regime and that's why they sometimes so violently crush it when they when they come to power whether that's lenin stalin hitler Pol Pot, um, Mao, I mean, you, you name it. Yeah, all Throughout them, history, all they have that. all done the same thing. Yeah, and you know, it's, I, I'll tell you one thing happening in uh, Christian churches in China, because, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, oh, there's, there's Christianity permitted in China. They're not like they used to be. Still today, beyond that, they are getting paid performance assessment and paid a bounty from how many Christians they arrest in China in December 2018. They also have the Chinese Communist government has implemented new religious regulations this year in February. They forced churches to install surveillance cameras, take down crosses, and they arrest church leaders on charges, and it ties in what you just said, of subverting state power. That's what they're saying is... You pastors, you you dumb pastors, you're going to get these people believing what rights they have from God. You can get these people believing that they have God-given rights, and, and we can't have that because we, the Chinese government, your allegiance has to be, for the entire country, has to be to us. It can't be to a God who might tell you things that we don't agree with. Uh, exactly, and that's, uh, as you said, that's why you have a, a, a law just this year passed there, um, you know, 
And again, that's why we do what we do here. Um, It's rare that somebody wakes up one morning and says, I'm going to slap surveillance cameras in every church in America. It's it's never you you don't start there. You start with intolerance of religious practice. Exactly. So that's why why we do what we do here. Uh, If we lose our first freedom here, there's nowhere left to turn. Absolutely true. And I want to just do something. We're going to head off to break here in a moment. But there are a lot of organizations that look at this. One, I'm going to tell you about quickly, the top 10 worst countries for Christian persecution. I will tell you, of those top 10, one is the communist government of North Korea. The other nine are all Islamic majority countries. That persecution coming about because of the intolerance of Islamic extremists for anyone who does not follow Islam. The second, so we're going to talk about what really happens in Islamic communist countries. The second one is pure staggering numbers. 215 million Christians experience high levels of persecution around the world. 215 million. So when we talk about persecution around the world, what you can do about it is not a few people in a rare remote village someplace in Pakistan all over the world in the countries you and I think of as relatively stable, relatively respectful of rights. I'm Debbie Georgias with Lathan Watson Studio, America Can We Talk. If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. 
and Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I have in studio the brilliant Lathan Watts from First Liberty. And, um, you know, I mentioned earlier I've done other shows with him on Point of View Radio, which is uh, Kirby Anderson's Point of View Radio show. We've been on the roundtable together. He's really good at the one-line witty things, which I really appreciate. It's not my forte. I, I just, I, I, anyway, I'm so glad that you're here. Well, I want to turn on this. Uh, first of all, again, if you're tuning in tonight, Merry Christmas. And uh, Eve of the Eve, I love. We used to have a big party at our house every year, Eve of the Eve. This is kind of fun because by then you should be done shopping. Or as I used to say, if you're not done shopping, send them a gift card because it's, it's over. You know, <laughs> you're not going to find it out at the mall. Um, and it just was a kind of a fun, relaxing, just, uh, you know, enjoy the evening. And I mean, there was no point to it except for sing Christmas carols and you know, eat good food and such. Anyway, but we're talking tonight about Christian persecution around the world. I want to just make really clear about something that we're talking, why we're talking about this. America has to be the, is the country in the world because of our founding committed in the first sentence of the first amendment to the constitution to preserving religious liberty. So the steps that what Lathan was saying before the break, the steps that first liberty and other defenders of religious liberty take now, they are part of preserving that culture of liberty, that culture of freedom upon which America was founded. The second point I want to make about it is, if America does not defend these persecuted Christians around the world, who else will? What other country is there just rooted in Christianity and not not dogmatically forcing people? It's not coercive Christianity. It's not uh, the notion that we somehow have an insistence that people uh, embrace Christianity. Freedom of religion means you can have no religion at all, your whole life, and no one's going to bother you, arrest you, or do anything bad to you. Um, the idea that you are free in this country is is tied up in the religious liberty thought, because in, the Christian notion uh, and Judeo-Christian notion of religious liberty 
does not include coercion. It includes you're free to practice and you're free to not, and that is what America was founded on. But in terms of a of any other country in the world, motivated and inspired and able to be to help persecuted Christians, there's no other country like America. No, there's not. And you know the cases that we've talked about just briefly that that we're handling them uh, here in the states. I mean, we will represent any any faith. You know, any faith that can be practiced with uh, consistent with the Constitution, we will defend your right to do so because that's what the Constitution uh, requires. And when we defend a small religious minority like an Orthodox Jewish community in New York or um, uh, Hindus or Sikhs or Buddhist uh, Native American sweat lodge, we defend it. I don't even know what that oh, religion yeah. is, but we defended it. But when we win for them, we win for everybody. Very good point. And, yes, very good point. Know, a lot of our cases center around the idea that Religious liberty is not just your choice of uh, how you worship or not to worship. It is your right to live according to that faith seven days a week, not just where you go to church on Sunday or Saturday or wherever. Where you teach be. your kids, yeah. Where you teach your kids, exactly. It's living according to that faith and and carving out a space in America for people to live according to their faith, even when that puts them maybe at odds with what the popular culture says should be. Uh, right. Uh, accepted in, in America. Um, that was very well said. I like that. I want to just uh, back to this uh, international persecution. Just to, again, top 10 worst countries in the world for Christian persecution. North Korea, and this is a, a study put out um, by the Open Doors USA. North Korea, I mean, just utterly intolerant. Again, that would be, you know, straight out communist, utterly intolerant. And that is a great example we were talking about earlier. The reason communists and totalitarian governments destroy religion is because they demand absolute loyalty to the party, to the leader. And Kim Jong-un, if anyone else in North Korea, just insanely determined to have utter human worshipful loyalty to him. Anyway, North Korea, Christians and Christian missionaries are routinely imprisoned in labor camps. Afghanistan, second in this list of horrors. Afghanistan, the government of this Muslim country, doesn't recognize any of its citizens as Christian. You just can't be Christian in, in Afghanistan. So they've got a big problem there. This, so as I say, the top 10 worst offenders on, on torturing Christians in this uh, world, North Korea, and China didn't even make the top 10, by the way. China, there's a lot that just rounded up 100 pastors last week and, and sent them off to whatever horror they sent them off to, isn't even, didn't even make the list. So North Korea has, uh, is communist. The other nine countries that made the top 10 most countries that most afflict Christians, all are, all are Muslim-majority countries, and all did it in connection with the teachings of Islam. I am not saying every Muslim would do this. I am saying the teachings of Islam, especially the traditional uh, unreformed Islam, simply cannot tolerate any other religious faith. They put still in, in, in Muslim-majority countries around the world, if people are born Muslim and they decide to leave the Islamic faith, they are put to death. Or the crime of apostasy. Saudi Arabia, the alleged most, you know, we always think of them, they're the kind of more advanced now. Saudi Arabia uses Sharia as the basis for criminal prosecution. They put people to death for leaving the faith. Saudi Arabia, the alleged enlightened uh, Islamic majority country. But anyway, Sudan, um, the Muslim government has slated Christian churches for demolition. In fact, there was a huge demolition of a bunch of Christian churches in China. Like over the summer, I think. Do you remember that? Like over the I, yeah, I do remember hearing about that. I mean, just, just, I mean, not, not because they had been discovered to be, 
you know, uh, bringing in spies or doing something criminal simply because they're Christian churches in China and they can't tolerate that. Um, And it's actually interesting, too. uh, Libya, the government is reportedly training militants to attack Coptic Christians. Okay. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but there are two other countries I want to hit on in particular. uh, But the overriding, uh, the overwhelming majority of attacks on Christianity uh, in countries outside of America are from uh, conducted by those members of the Muslim faith. We have one particular big issue. 114 Christians were arrested in one week in the country of Iran. And this was characterized by, um, I'm not sure who was writing this article. Oh, uh, Advocacy Director for Religious Freedom uh, told World Watch, this is a preemptive warning to Christians leading up to Christmas. A preemptive, don't you be thinking in Iran about celebrating Christmas. And Iran actually has, if you ever read about this, uh, but I happen to know a guy who grew up in Iran and, as a Muslim, and he's American, now he's Christian. But he said there's a very vibrant Christian community in Iran. You know about that, are you? I've, I've heard uh, from, from missionaries and others uh, that it is a vibrant community, but obviously you have to be very, very careful about uh, how you practice Christianity in Iran. Oh, at hidden in hidden ways. And, you know, it's really interesting with Iran, too, because— um, my friend, again, I'm characterizing what he's, and he actually talks about this on air. It isn't just he's told me, but, you know, we look at Iran from the outside. We think, oh, it's a Muslim-majority country, and probably every, the whole country is right in line with the mullahs and right in line with the, um, you know, the, the Islamic leaders. But he's saying, no, actually, they're not. Many, many citizens in Iran are turned off by the mullahs. They don't want to have to live under those standards. They want, I mean, some of them want Christianity, but a lot of them want freedom. They don't, so we have to be really careful not to assume that just because you have an Islamic extremist government and mullahs who are half crazy, that the people are that way. Exactly. I think that uh, there's there's progress that could be made there if, if America uh, would take the lead in encouraging uh, the folks there in Iran, similar to how we did uh, during the Cold War in countries you know, behind the Iron Curtain with Radio Free America, Radio Free Europe. I think there are ways that we could um, possibly assist them um, if we have the will and the, and the means to do so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on Iran, you know, we had that, um, and I remember the year was under President Obama, there was one uprising by their people um, and we're trying to overthrow the mullahs. And, the, and you know, it's, it's interesting, back to Islam and government governance, in the most strict sense of Sharia, which is, as many Muslims said, there's only one Sharia. Sharia is the common denominator of all Islam. Sharia, in, in the way it is, you know, on a, genuinely followed, it does not, does not permit any other form of law or governance. Sharia is not like in America we would protect the right of people to follow the Ten Commandments or in, in the Christianity or the Sermon on the Mount kind of captures a lot of what Christianity teaches. Sharia is not the Islamic version of the Ten Commandments or the Islamic version of the Sermon on the Mount. Sharia is a wholly encompassing, no other law permitted, no other viewpoint permitted, completely dominating every aspect of human life, set of rules and laws and regulations, controlled entirely by Islamic scholars who tell you what is permitted, there's no appealing, there's not like in America, if you had Congress pass a law you didn't like, you can elect new congressmen and get them to change it. No way out of it, no escape, 
no role of the people to shape anything about what Sharia teaches. And this is why in many Islamic majority countries, to the degree they follow Sharia, they simply cannot tolerate. It's not just they can't tolerate churches or Bibles. They can't tolerate the idea that anyone is thinking, acting, or in any other way challenging the authority of the Islamic mullahs, uh, scholars, uh, you know, authorities to say what is truth, what is right, what is permitted uh, in their country. So um, this persecution of Christianity, simply breathtaking around the world. And if no, if anyone can do something about it, it is the good people listening to this show in the United States of America. Debbie George S., come right back. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty, From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. 
Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and Merry Christmas to everyone listening. I want to take a few minutes and just make a plug for things that I do. Uh, I do a podcast during the week. It's also called America Can We Talk. If you're watching this show on Facebook, you can come back Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Central Time, and I do a deep dive into one subject, and or maybe two or three. Yesterday I did it, and or a couple days ago, and I did it, I think I did three subjects but um, appreciate your uh, listening. And if you're on Facebook Live, I'd love if you would share this to pages that uh, our discussion or any discussion we've had. Of, I'd love to have you share it with your friends. Um, and also on the Facebook Live page, if you can like the page, if you can go, if you look at the home page of the, of the America Can We Talk Facebook page, there's a column on the left. It says reviews, I think is the word, whatever it says, reviews. Uh, I'd love to get your comments about the show. I also encourage people to interact with me. I love talking. I always say the American political conversation, he who speaks up, he who advocates for the values you stand for, that's who wins the American political conversation. I want to be part of the conversation of preserving this most ex- precious, extraordinary country. So my email address is talk at gmail.com. Feel free to email me anytime. Also on Twitter, I'm at Debbie Can We Talk. And I'm getting better on Twitter. I, I love Facebook. I'm kind of into that, but I'm trying to get better on Twitter because a lot of conversations happen there too. I know some people are really down on Twitter. My husband calls it the Twitter mob because he just says they just pile on people. and It's, just, it's not often a substantive discussion, but sometimes it's actually really good. So, um, you know, and I also just, I, I feel like this, at this time, and I'm going to go harken back uh, to the opening segment of the show tonight, but, you know, this battle in Washington, uh, which is pretty much an anti-Trump battle, I mean, the battle over the wall, a lot of what the American left is arguing is not just that they don't want the wall. They don't want the Trump agenda. They don't want to give him one victory, any victory at all. And this is part of what I, I've talked about so often on this show, but the relentlessness of the American left. It is not simply that there are, you know, two reasonable views and many issues and they want to come together and have dialogue the American left is, in the, and I'm talking about the cabal-level leadership. You know, in fact, one guy wrote a column today, and he was calling it the small cadre of elite leftist leaders in this world. They're about pushing socialism, which is the destruction of human freedom, the destruction of the free market system, the destruction of America's abundance, prosperity. Free markets and freedom have brought the most abundance and prosperity to the poorest among us in this country Far better, far more than any other system ever. America's poorest 
are among the wealthy, are more wealthy than, I remember the stat was like the lowest 10% income earners in America are better off than 75% of the rest of the world. Freedom brings prosperity. But the American left is about destroying, they're destroying free markets and freedom. They're pursuing socialism. They're about Islamism. They're about permitting and tolerating the Islamic agenda, which is very intolerant, as we're talking about tonight. Uh, They are definitely uh, engaged in an ongoing and, you know, it's not, they wouldn't ever admit they're trying to destroy religious liberty. But what the, the leftist mindset is about is is um, pigeonholing, siloing religious liberty into a notion, oh, yeah, okay, you can go to whatever church you want on Sunday, as we've been talking about tonight, but just don't practice it, don't teach it, don't tell your, don't, don't pass along, don't live what you believe. And this is part of what uh, standing up for freedom is going to mean uh, in the next two years and in the, for the rest of your life, because America needs people who will speak up and stand up for the unique, extraordinary idea that is America. Um, I want to talk about one other religious freedom case, which it, it isn't really a religious freedom case, but I was curious your views on it, was just there was a school teacher, um, who, a, a public school teacher, who um, had a student who was a transgender. And again, I don't know which direction, but the student who was transgen- transgender wanted to be referred to by his, his or her new pronoun, wanted to be referred to as her or she, if it used to be God, I'm not sure which way it went. The teacher uh, said that his transgenderism violates his religious beliefs. He was willing to speak to the child by referring, using the name the child had taken on, whatever the name was, but wouldn't use him or her, uh, wouldn't use the incorrect pronoun to honor transgenderism because he views it to be inconsistent with his faith, which many Christians do. And he was fired by the school. Because, and even when he went in for the hearing, he said at the hearing, you know, I, I love my students. He was really, I love my students. I love teaching. I'm happy to call this child by whatever name it was. So do you see that as a threat to religious liberty or is that? Oh, absolutely. And, and the school district got this wrong uh, in, in multiple ways. And I believe there is going to be litigation involved there. Okay. Um, but absolutely. I mean, there is a Supreme Court case, uh, ironically enough, was brought by the ACLU where the Supreme Court said uh, students and teachers do not relinquish their First Amendment rights at the schoolhouse gate. So just because you're in a public school doesn't mean that you have to check your religion at the door. This man is protected by the First Amendment, as I said before, to live according to your faith. Whether you work for government or you work in the the private sector, um, the First Amendment protects your right to live according to your beliefs. And in mo- like in our cases and in this case, he's trying to do his best to accommodate you know this culture that is at odds with what his religious beliefs are. And he, he went as far as he could go. And that has to be the middle ground here. There has to be a way for people of faith and people on um, the American left, whatever you want to call it, to peacefully coexist. And what people of faith are saying is, Look, I can do this, but I can't do that. Right? I can serve you for other occasions, but I can't bake your cake. I will call you by your new name, but I'm not going to say you're a girl or you're uh, a guy. And there is a middle ground there. And that's one of the great things about America. If we, if we're going to be governed by the constitution, we will find a way for these groups in society to peacefully coexist. And the first amendment and the constitution is the source for that. You know, I was saying earlier about how the left, I, I think the, um, I always call them the anti-American left, but among the many things they're stridently working to destroy, um, it is 
freedom because they and, and free markets want to bring socialism. But the LGBTQ agenda has brought about many attacks on America's founded. And in, in particular, this case, this is the LGBTQ activist community saying that not only can we uh, pursue changing gender, which is uh, has uh, a thousand problems associated with what we talked about in the show before, but they're saying the LGBTQ agenda trumps your right as a Christian teacher to express your faith. I mean, you, you, you can't do something. It's the same thing with respect to the, the bakers and the weddings. They're, they're saying LGBTQ agenda trumps, dominates, controls, eviscerates the First Amendment rights of believers to say, for example, I can't design a cake for your wedding. Just like I couldn't give a speech advocating Hillary Clinton for president. This baker can't do that. This teacher is saying, I can't call him a her. But it, what they're saying is, no, no, the LGBTQ uh, agenda takes precedence, and the American left is right with them. Right. Their, you know, their, their point of view seems to be it's, you can believe whatever you want, but you just can't act on it. Yeah, well said. Well, yeah, we're gonna we're getting uh, close to the end of this Eve of the Eve show. I want to just remind people, if you've been listening, about some of the great organizations we talked about tonight. To start with, uh, in studio with me, which is great, uh, is Lathan Watts from First Liberty. And again, I love if you would tell our listeners, you know, okay, first of all, it's the Eve of the Eve. If you haven't done Christmas shopping by now, forget it. Give them a gift certificate, or you could give them a gift to one of these great organizations we're going to mention. Uh, give a gift in the name, in the name of someone you love, and say, hey, in your honor, I gave $50 to X. So tell us about First Liberty. First Liberty Institute, we are a law firm, but we are a nonprofit. We are a 501c3, which means we are supported by tax-deductible donations by donors from all across the country. And really, we would not be able to do the, the type of work that we do, and our clients would not be able to take the stands that they take if we operated any other way because our clients never get a bill from us. So the donations that we get allow your, your us— Your clients never pay you? Never. Uh, wow. Never, ever. I mean, Coach Kennedy, his his legal bills, I, I, I shudder to think what his legal bills would be if we were billing him for all this time because this case has gone on for years. Yeah. And some of these cases do go on for years. So donations to us allow us to take these cases and never charge our clients, most of whom could never afford to take a stand for religious liberty. Most if, Americans couldn't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So First Liberty does this great work. I urge you to to look into them, read their website. You can read more of the cases. I just plucked a few out, but you can read more of their cases. You're just so grateful. Someone in this precious country is saying, I'm going to dedicate myself to standing up for religious freedom. Uh, the other two groups I wanted to mention, again, one is Open Doors. It's, um, their website is opendoorsusa.org, and um, I've featured them on other shows. But they uh, really work to protect and defend and provide Bibles and protection and and just care for Christian communities in this world who live in countries that don't tolerate Christianity. And their stories, I mean, I picked a couple. You can read dozens of them on their website. I had them on one time right after, um, I think it was Boko Haram, one of the groups had just gone through and just slaughtered. Uh, it was like a dozen villages, burned the churches, burned. And so they had a small number of Christians who had remained alive. And so um, Open Doors USA reached out to them. How can we get you situated? How can we get you to safety? How, I mean, they're a precious organization. They could use your support. I also want to mention, again, the uh, SaveThePersecutedChristians.org, which is, I, they have this agenda to inspire Americans. It's really to help Americans wake up to the reality that Christianity is persecuted around this world and that there is a need for people who stand for liberty, who understand the, the precious import of the first of our First Amendment rights of freedom of religion, 
that these people, their stories need to be told. Americans who have the wherewithal and the love of liberty and the love of religious freedom to understand their plight, stand up, speak up, join in the chorus. There should be a chorus of people around the world saying that um, we're not going to tolerate this kind of conduct. So as we get to the close tonight, um, I, again, I want to urge you to go to our fa- If you're listening on radio, check out our Facebook page, America Can We Talk. Every story we talked about is on my website, americacanwetalk.org. We try to put the stories up every week so you can go read them yourselves. I uh, love have you share the Facebook uh, segments. That's always great if you can do that. Um, and I want to close with the same thing I said at the very start of the show that we're watching battles in Washington. We're watching battles about the wall. You know, should we fund the wall? Don't fund the wall. But it's a, the real heart and soul of the battle, in my view, in Washington is this. President Trump ran on the idea that America as a country matters. The American culture of liberty, the rights of individual Americans to live in freedom, the freedom of Americans to have a secure, that can only result if you have a secure border, that you have citizenship standards that we decide, that you have a country that is committed at its core to the founding ideas of America. And this is what the anti-American left, why they fight him so strongly, because they don't believe in that America. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk? Come back every Sunday at 6 p.m., Talk to you next week and speak up for America. And thank you, Lathan, for being here. Thank and thank you, Greg Lindemood, for my happy help at the board. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.